Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And today I have Tom Hicks on. He's going to be talking about OTA. So Tom, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell everybody who you are, what you do. Thanks, Mike. Uh, my name is Tom Hicks. I am a recovering federal government employee, oh, having nice. left uh, the uh, Navy in uh, 2017 as the acting undersecretary of the Navy. And I had a few other roles prior to that uh, as uh, deputy assistant secretary of the Navy for energy and uh, deputy undersecretary of the Navy for management. So I had a variety of roles there with the Navy, uh, now happily in the private sector, uh, advising clients kind of small to very large uh, in ways that they can um, kind of grow their uh, federal or defense presence. Very cool. So we're, we're gonna be talking about OTAs today. And I think the first question out of the gate should be what's an OTA because I know a lot of people listening probably saw that on the on the description and thought hmm what is that yeah so OTAs OTA or other transaction authority is um, something that's interestingly been around since the 1950s 1958 in fact it was uh, uh, really uh, created or pioneered by NASA uh, as they you know they're going forward with their efforts it really became uh, first used in DOD in about 1989. And I would say really in vogue, uh, meaning that there's it's used kind of more widely in the last, say, four years or so. Hmm. Uh, and what is it? So um, it, it really is, is a way for the Defense Department in this at this point, because that's where most of the OTA consortium, I'm sure we'll get to that term later, but where most of them uh, reside. And it's a way for the government to explore areas for research and demonstrations of technology Technologies um, in, in, for, with uh, kind of what are called non-traditional defense uh, companies. Hmm. And so this is a way for them to do that and in, in, uh, in, a, in a much kind of more uh, easy, uh, easy to access 
uh, type of way. So I'm asking this from the perspective of the, the people that aren't aware of what this is. So if I'm unaware of what an OTA is and I am a government contractor, why should I be concerned to this? Like what, how can this help me as a, as a contractor? Sure. As, as a company that's seeking to do, you know, to gain a contract, to demonstrate their technology or to demonstrate or do some research uh, with the defense department, let's say, and, and in a way that's not um, for companies, again, our non-traditional defense uh, contractors, uh, this offers a, a very kind of um, headache-free way to do that. So with any kind of government contract and, and any defense contract, you need three things, right? You need, you certainly need money, you need a requirement, and you need a contract vehicle. And so what OTAs represent in that, uh, uh, in, in those three things is really that contract vehicle. And, mm -hmm. and so what it does is it allows companies to join what's called an OTA consortium, and okay. those uh, to be a, to lead an OTA consortium, that is a FAR-based process, contracting process. Once done, however, basically everything that happens after that point uh, is essentially deemed to be compliant with the FAR. And so rather than if you're a company that wants to demonstrate a technology and having to go through a pretty laborious um, uh, and a FAR-based uh, contract, you can, uh, you can respond to a uh, what's called a request for white paper, for example, and provide a one, two, three-page response and really have a, a shot of that getting potentially funded by the, the by the defense department so it just it's it's the more accessible way uh, to to go through those con or to 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 get to awards without having to go through the fairly time intensive things like fed biz ops which, which mm -hmm. requires a lot or there's some other things all, all very good programs like sbir or sttrs uh, that allow uh, that uh, are very good programs but also have a, a pretty, as compared to uh, other transaction authority, can have a pretty uh, time-intensive aspect to them. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. You, you mentioned something uh, early in, in that description there of a, of a non-traditional defense contractor. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's, um, and, and this is an area where it's not my definition, but this is kind of as defined uh, by the federal government. And it's basically, it's a, it's a uh, company that has not had a contract or subcontract within the last 12 months that was sub to what's called the full cost accounting standards. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, the full cost accounting standards kick in for contracts at $50 million or above. And so in effect, what this, what the non-traditional um, defense contractor or company is, is a company that's not had uh, as the prime or a sub and on a contract uh, for, uh, with $50 million value in the past 12 months. So that, that's a pretty simple definition. Out of all the things that uh, we have to look at and all the criteria, that's a, that's a pretty simple one. So they haven't had 50 million in, in defense contracts it is now is that um, in in one given year or like if they had a contract with option years that exceeded that would that you know kind of kick yeah. them into a different bucket yeah my understanding and, and I don't profess to by the way to be the uh, the expert on OTAs okay. I think I've advised a lot of my clients through Mavis group and in, in, in to join different OTA consortium. But my understanding of that uh, is that it, it, it's within the last 12 months. Gotcha. Um, okay. and, and that's, that's, the, that's the only kind of look back is the last 12 months. Okay. So if I'm listening to this, what, what type of companies should consider an OTA? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question, Jim. So the, to me, it's those young, innovative companies that have some really interesting technologies uh, that, the, that, could be, that the Defense Department is either unaware of or just has not 
um, you know, not, not seen. And so uh, just examples of technologies that we're seeing applying to this. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the 30 some odd different OTA consortium that are out there, they, co they cover a wide range of things from uh, space to cyber to uh, innovative technologies uh, on energy to innovative technologies and autonomy sensors. So it's a wide range of things uh, where we tend to see it uh, with my company, with Mavis Group, is a lot of those young companies that are in what I would call kind of that new economy space. And so that mm -hmm. can be companies involved in like robotics, autonomy, and what I would call kind of smart based technology. No, that, that, that's really good. You know, one of the things when, when we're advising clients is if you have a brand new technology the government's never heard of, they don't know it's all, they don't know they have a problem that you can solve, right? You know, it's so hard to break into this market. And, you know, this sounds like such a great way to do it. So if you have that, like you said, a new innovative technology and you're trying to break in, joining one of these could be, you know, exactly what you're looking for. So does it cost to join this? Is it free to join it? How, how do you get into an, an OTA consortium? Yes, yeah, so to join uh, one of those 30 or so uh, OTA consortiums that are out there, uh, it, the, the cost varies, but I would say that the range is in the... Uh, typically in the $250 to $1,000 a year, uh, with most of those being in that $250 to $500 that I've seen. And so it's very approachable for young companies. And to your earlier point, just about you know how folks do this. I mean, one of the challenges I had in being a, a government official, seeing many companies, you know, I had a pretty open door policy with companies that would come in and, and talk to me and occasionally saw some things that were really interesting. Like, wow, this would be great if we could demonstrate this or try this out in some way. And, and then you kind of ran into the, you know, the crushing headwinds of, well, it's going to take nine to 12 months to get that done. Whereas if you had something through, if you had access to an OTA, it might be, you know, that type of idea, you could do a request for a white paper and see, uh, you know, maybe the company that, that you saw, but me, many other companies that were out there doing similar things that you just didn't know about. Hmm. And so it's, it's a way to access those um, and fulfill that in a, in a potentially a quicker way. Nice. Is this something, again, I know there's, there's people sitting in their car and they're thinking you know, a, a hundred questions about this. And so one of the questions I think they would have is, you know, is this something that's basically an application with a fee? Can I get denied? Uh, is there specific ones I should go after? You know, they probably have a million questions about this sort of thing. Uh, if, if you know the answer to any of those questions, that'd be great. But where where do, can they learn about this and, and answer all those questions? those questions? What's, what's a great place for them to go to? Yeah. So, so I'm happy to give some resources to folks here, what, but just to answer some of those questions, you know, one, um, you know, I, I would advise folks to, to, to kind of look through the various um, uh, of those 30 some odd OTAs that are out there and see which ones makes the most sense for them to join, you know, and it may just be one or two. That's typically where we advise our clients. It could be as few as one and as many as maybe three that we might recommend depending on the technologies that they have. So just, to just you know, every military department has um, a, you know their own versions of OTAs and different you know on different topics. But for uh, so so there's a handful of uh, or, or all of the military departments have that. In terms of resources, um, there's a great uh, what's called other transaction guide that at uh, OSD Acquisition Sustainment put out in November 2018. It really kind of covers you know advice you know lessons learned, the policy. All of that, and as well as it attempts to demystify some of the things um, that are out there, some of the common misconceptions and myths. And then beyond that, the Defense Acquisition University has a really nice 
document. Um, and then I think the, the best that I've seen on, um, you know, kind of the list of all the consortium, because that's probably a question too, is uh, I think MITRE puts out a list of uh, consortium that they maintain on their web, their website uh, of all the different OTA consortium. Uh, I'm not sure if that's comprehensive. In fact, I think I saw a Marine Corps one that was not on there, but I think it's a pretty good list. Nice. You, you, you mentioned uh, something there about misconceptions. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about this? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the biggest myths are that uh, OTA agreements are not contracts. They are agreements. No, they're actually, they are contracts. Uh, they're just not procurement contracts. Um, they're not a grant. They're not a cooperative agreement. They're kind of this other thing. Uh, they And, and the, the folks that uh, make the awards uh, on behalf of the government are actually not called contracting officers. Uh, they are agreements officers. And so it's a specialized training that folks must do to get that. You do not have to be a contracting officer to be an agreements officer, just to make that clear. Hmm. So that's one. Another one that we commonly hear, and this is with folks that are kind of have this first level of information and knowledge about OTAs, is that, well, you know, you know, with the, you know, using DOD, uh, you'll hear a lot of the color of money type of questions come up. And so there was this thinking, well, OTAs can only be used with RDT and E money. And the answer is no, that's not true. It can be used with L&M money uh, and, and, and RDT and E money, S&T, a variety of things, but it has to kind of comport with what the what the scope of the work is. And obviously that would be kind of blessed and approved by the comptroller and, and maybe some legal folks within those uh, organizations, but um, there is no limitation on the on the type of money that can be used for the OTA. So that's another one. And then, you know, those are kind of probably the, the two, the biggest ones that I see. There's certainly gotcha. more of those myths that are demystified on both of the the places I mentioned uh, within OSD and, and DAU. You know, you, you mentioned the, the color of money there. So people are thinking, okay, proposals, award process, you know, what, what does that look like uh, in OTAs? Yeah. So let me come back. I mean, the process is pretty straightforward, I think. But um, what folks need to realize is something I mentioned before is an important point that the selection of the OTA consortium company or lead is the FAR-based competition in the eyes of the government, right? And so that's an important point to always keep in mind because it seems like everything you do after that, it just kind of follows suit. So what would happen is at the request of a component command, um, somebody who's interested, the, um, uh, the OTA consortium would put out what's called a request for white paper. Now, this isn't the only way to do it, but this is kind of the most common way uh, to do it. You can also fund projects off of OTAs using uh, broad agency announcements and so on. But the most common way is to go through uh, what's called a request for white paper. And so that request for, for white paper would go out to all of the members of the consortium. And you can think, you know, so, you know, there may be hundreds of members, but there may only be you know, a handful or, or so that actually have uh, expertise in a, on a given topic. Uh, those companies um, then uh, reply. I think the white papers, uh, certainly less than 10, 10 pages, but we, what we've seen is kind of more three to five pages worth of, of effort. So, you know, for a small young company that's resource constrained, uh, that's a pretty low bar, low yeah. barrier to be, right? And yeah. then it goes to, uh, from there goes to the, or, or I should say another thing with that would be that, because uh, this is also important the rough order magnitude rom pricing um you know this is another piece to this it's you know this isn't the, something where you're locked in at the moment of your of your proposal because all of that is going to be kind of 
um, uh, negotiated at the end once you're selected. And then it goes to, and again, through the agreements officer, goes out to all the members, and then there's uh, rev uh, reviewing officials that are, are there to review. Now, uh, unlike some other RFPs, this is not something where it requires some elaborate review committee uh, and things like this, it's really up to each component uh, to kind of decide how they want to do it. It can be an individual, it can be a group of people. Uh, the only requirement is that it must be fair and transparent. Um, and so once that's done, and then they go to kind of what's called contract award. And that really gets to the, you know, how they can, um, you know, negotiate the kind of the terms and the cost at that point. So here's a question, again, for all the listeners out there, I'm sure there's some technology folks out there that have the, you know, some revolutionary technology. I hear about this all the time. And they're thinking, how do I get my thing funded? That that's the thing. That's the question a lot of them have. And they look at something like this and say, well, maybe, you know, joining an OTA is the way to go. So let's assume they, they go do their research, they find an OTA, they join it. What advice would you give to them to letting the OTA learn about the technology they want to see a white paper come out about I, I, that because that's ultimately you know I assume if I'm joining this I'm probably going to be trying to communicate into that group about my technology so that I can hopefully get a white paper out so we can follow the process you just walked through yeah so I guess two pieces of information one with the OTA consortium administration and, and leadership doing just as you said making sure that they're aware that you're a member uh, you know I know many of those those OTA consortium leads, they're all great. They welcome that type of feedback. Uh, most of them have some regular kind of scheduled um, sessions where they can, you know, uh, communicate what are upcoming white papers um, and have some conversations, you know, in a, in a kind of open forum. But another way to do that is, again, you know, thinking back to the, the kind of the problem that I had, you know, when I was in the Pentagon is you'd see some of these really great ideas and you didn't really have what we'd call an output shaft. You just kind of, it's like, well, that was great. Uh, you know, we can't really access that. And so it's really, to me, you know, when these companies have those types of briefs and they're in front of folks, making sure that those folks know how they can be uh, accessed, I mean, and, and are aware of the process, you know, so just, to, you know, so if they, if, if uh, somebody on the other side of the table is really interested, make sure that they know, hey, we're part of these two consortium. And if that's something that you want to follow up on, uh, that's how, you know, that's one of the ways that we can be accessed. We'll, you know, maybe still be pursuing things like SBIRs and STTRs and things like that. But it's, it's a way to signal to the, the folks on the other side of the table that if this is something that they have the, the funding for and are able to generate the um, request for white paper that, that there you know, may have you know, one and many and perhaps many more folks that can respond to that. Yeah, no, I, I love this as an opportunity for all the, the new technology companies that are out there, because I think if you're trying to sell traditional products to the government, you know, stuff they already have, stuff that RFPs are coming out, it really is a straightforward process on how to break into the government, how to grow your company. But if you're pursuing new technologies and, you know, you're you're constantly doing R&D and creating new solutions, it there it's really kind of fuzzy on, on how you approach the government and where you approach the government, you know, and, and the SBIR process and, and this process. And so it's just one more tool in the toolkit for, for our companies that are listening today that they know they want to work in government contracting, but they realize they're not a traditional contractor. And I, I know that's a little bit different than the definition you gave earlier, the, the 50 million threshold, but there's a lot of companies that aren't the traditional 
hey, I sell beans and bullets and I'm trying to figure out how to work with the government. And, and, you know, they need some avenues to do it. So I like this as one of those avenues. So this this all been really good stuff today. If you had to leave listeners with some final thoughts, what are your final thoughts for today? Well, you know, I think you said it just right. I mean, uh, OTA... Uh, other transaction authority is another tool and it can be a very effective tool. Um, one piece that I didn't mention, and, and this kind of speaks to the power of OTAs, and, and there are different types of OTAs. There's a research prototype and, and then there's a kind of a follow-on one. And, and that's something I just want to make sure folks understand very clearly because because everything is done, you know, the you know, selection of the consortium lead is the FAR-based component of it. Everything after that is kind of deemed compliant with FAR. Well, this is really important area. So if, if a company that has an interesting technology is able through an OTA to do a, have a successful demonstration that then en- enables is for that technology to be basically go to what's called kind of a full scale deployment. And that will vary. That could be taking a, a, a technology from one app, one part of a base to the entire base. It could take it from one part of the command to the entire command that all needs to be defined. But what it allows is uh, it, what it essentially is and not essentially what it is is a sole source justification. So if you successfully have an OTA um, demonstration, that can serve as a sole source justification for a wider scale adoption. That is the true power of this. It's not only easier to access at the front end uh, or, or easier to kind of get through that process, I should say, but if successful, it, it gives the, the DOD, the, the, the component companions, whoever might be, an opportunity to kind of scale that up quickly. Obviously, funding is is paramount to that and, and, and making that success, but it gives, certainly provides a pathway um, for folks to do it. So that's something I would like to leave with folks is this is again it's not not it's not the, the solution it's it's some it's, it's definitely a tool to add um, and it's a great way as folks are having their discussions with with these innovative technologies with the the leaders you know be they military or or civilian and to give them uh, make sure they have it they know of a, a way that they can be you know that, that where where they can go through a, a contracting process yeah in, in, in a quick way. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the discussion today. I think this is a really valuable solution because, again, we run into so many companies that are that are working on innovative technologies and they don't know where to go. And the the, the short answer is the traditional route of just responding to RFPs is not going to cut it. The and the the route of calling and talking to you know various contracting officers, it's just not going to cut it. It's a really really slow road. So you you need an innovative approach to growing your company if you're in this boat. And so this is a great way to do it. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this today. Uh, It's been very, very valuable. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Mike. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.